Amen. Thank you very much, Susan. I appreciate that. Uh, appreciate what Pastor West said a few minutes ago uh, about our music here at Grace Baptist Church. And I do hope that you appreciate the time and effort that our musicians put into our Sunday morning worship. I, for one, have very little musical talent. It's the, I always joke with the teens. I say that's the, that's the one talent God didn't give me to keep me humble. But uh, I appreciate what our musicians do, and I appreciate the hours that they put into and the time Pastor West puts into choosing the songs for our worship to, to allow us to worship together through music. And I hope you appreciate that as well. If you're visiting with us this morning, thank you very much for being here. Uh, there should be a card in the pew in front of you. Uh, matches what's up on the screens behind me. Uh, if you can take your smartphone and scan that and then click the little button, uh, that will allow you to answer just a couple of questions. Uh, and then that will give us uh, your contact information. We can reach out to you this week and answer any questions that you have. Uh, again, we thank you for being here with us this morning. The pages of the Bible are filled with characters. There are a lot of characters in the Bible. There's a lot of people in the Bible that the Lord gives us information about, that, that we, can, we can read in, in, in their biographies. Some of the people in the Bible we have very, very little information about. Take someone like, like Job's wife. We have basically one sentence that she said, just curse God and die. Just give up. And we base everything we know about Job's wife on that one sentence that the Bible records. There's other people that the Bible gives pages and pages and chapters to. People like Moses. People like Joshua. Paul tells us a lot about himself in the pages of the New Testament. And Paul tells us a lot about some other people as well. And it's fun to, to study characters. I like to read biographies. I like to, 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 to learn about different people. And so as we, we read through, especially some of, of, of Paul's writings, we were introduced to people. And sometimes those people played a very pivotal role in the spread of Christianity in the first century church. Sometimes we don't know anything but their name. And in 2 Timothy, Paul gives us a list of people. We're going to look at this list this morning. We're going to look at, at three of these men that Paul mentions and kind of do a, a quick character sketch of each of them this morning and kind of compare ourselves to them. Are we like them? Are we not like them? So listen, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Starting in verse 7, Paul writes this, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me in the ministry. We're going to look at three men today. We're going to look at Demas, Luke, and Mark. And we're going to compare and contrast them 
and then compare and contrast ourselves to them and see how we match up and who we match up with. Let's first of all talk about Demas. Demas is basically the apostate. We see there in verse 9, excuse me, verse 10, it says, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. We really only have three mentions of Demas in the Bible. The first is in, in Philemon and Colossians. They kind of were written at the same time, uh, sent uh, to the churches at the same time. And he's mentioned in both of those books. Uh, he's mentioned in, in Philemon, uh, verse 23, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, sends greetings to you. And so does do Mark and Archias and Demas and Lucas, my fellow workers. Colossians, he writes, Luke, the beloved Philistians, greet you as does Demas. So during Paul's first imprisonment, Demas was there with him. Demas was his fellow laborer. Demas was somebody that Paul called a fellow worker. That's pretty impressive. Because if you know anything about Paul, he didn't put up with much. For Paul, it was sold out for Christ 100%. You look at the life of Paul, pretty much every city he ever went to, he ended up in jail. I mean, he lived a rough life because it was all or nothing. He went in and he went to the, to the, to, to the synagogue and he preached and he preached. And then if they, didn't, if they rejected, he went to the Gentiles. And he was, uh, he was 100% on fire for God. And here he calls Demas a fellow worker. A fellow laborer, Demas, seems to be right there with Paul, preaching, proclaiming, ministering, spreading the gospel, being a, an assistant to Paul through that ministry. Again, during Paul's first imprisonment, Demas seems to be there, helping him, saw the things that Paul was going through. But then by the time we get to 2 Timothy, just a few short years after Philemon and Colossians were written, Demas is gone. He's left. He's chosen a new life. Here we, here's Paul now at the end of his life. Again, he's already been through one imprisonment. He's imprisoned in Rome a second time. And it's a sad tale. He writes, Demas deserted. He left. It says he went to, to Thessalonica. Thessalonica was an interesting city uh, there in that time frame. Uh, some Bible scholars believe that Thessalonica could have been his home, uh, which would have been a, a reason why he went there. But it was also one of the greatest cities of the Roman Empire. It was a city that was, that was very populous. It was one of the most populous cities in Macedonia at the time. It was a center for commerce. It's no wonder he chose that city if he loved the world. Paul says he had this desire for the world. Now, in Paul's instance, for Paul, what does love of the world mean? Love of the world in Paul's eyes is anything that's not Christ. If you're not 100% focused on Christ, everything else is, is, is love of the world. So could it have been that Demas just went back to help mom? Perhaps. Could it be that 
Demas didn't want this Christianity life anymore. He saw Paul's imprisonment the first time. He got out of prison. He's back now in prison again. It does not look good. Even Paul is going to write, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Perhaps Demas knew the end was coming. Perhaps Demas may have thought that, well, if they're going to kill Paul, anybody's associated with Paul, I'm out of here. Perhaps he had friends in Thessalonica and he just wanted that that rich lifestyle that that commerce, that that populous city could have given to him. Whatever the reason, the Bible says he loved this present world. It's sad that the love of the world overshadowed his love for Christ. Some Bible scholars believe that when it talks about Paul, uh, excuse me, Demas deserting Paul, that perhaps Demas just didn't want to die. But the, the Greek word there for desert seems to indicate that he left him in the lurch. He left him at a time when Paul needed him, and he wasn't there for him. And that's the idea. So, so it really, you know, at, at best, he left Paul in the lurch. He left somebody that had trusted him when he needed him, At worst, Demas denied God and chose to absolutely, totally leave the faith. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 2, don't love the world or the things of the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the life, the the, the eyes, the pride of life, It's not from the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away with its desires. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. Our goal should be to love Christ. The first four commandments deal with our love for God. When asked... When, the, when, they, when the, the Jews asked Christ, trying to trick him, saying, what is the greatest commandment? His answer was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That doesn't leave a whole lot of room for loving other things. For having other things take that place of God. And we have to be very careful as we go through our lives that our relationships, our job, other peripheral things don't overshadow our love for God. That should be our guiding principle, that we love God. And that love then should prompt action. If I love my wife, that's going to to prompt action. It's going to, to make me do certain things and make me not do certain things that I know she doesn't like. And the same thing, if we love God, that will prompt us to action. It will prompt us to serve Him. It will prompt us to to serve others. As the second half of of Christ says there in the New Testament, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Not loving Jesus basically boils down to following yourself and not Christ. So where are we this morning? Are we loving Christ? Is that our goal? Is that our, our, our guiding principle? That we run everything through the sieve of God's word and we say, is what I'm doing promoting my love for Christ? Or is what we're doing promoting our love of self? 
well, I'm doing this because I, I want to. Well, I'm doing this because it makes me happy. It makes me feel good, and so I'm going to do this. We're living in a, a unique time in society. And as we, as we move forward and, 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 and try to get through 2020 and put all that behind us, we kind of have this, this new start as we're, we're, you know, here at church, we're kicking off different programs again, and we're, you know, it's just been a month, we've been meeting all back at one service, and, and what are you going to do now? People that study church growth and whatnot tell us that, that 25% of your congregation pre-COVID will never come back to church. Perhaps they were coming before church because they were guilted into it. Perhaps they were coming because they, they wanted to, to look good or they wanted to, to fill a certain position or role and it, it made them feel better about themselves. But the people that study those things say 25%, 20, 25% will never come back. We're kind of at a, at, a, at a point where each one of us has to make those decisions. What are we going to do? Oh, it's easy, man. It, it's gotten easy this last year to not do things. And we've had a great excuse not to do things. It's been easy to say, you know what? Yeah, I don't think I can do that. But Pastor West has announced we're starting choir tonight. What's stopping you from coming and singing in the choir? We're starting Kids for Truth in a couple of weeks. What's stopping you from coming on a Wednesday night to help out with Kids for Truth? There's always help for kids' classes, help in the nursery. What's stopping us? Is it because we've just kind of gotten tired? Or we've said, you know what, it's gotten used to not doing these things, and so it's easiest just to kind of come on Sunday morning or watch online and, and call that church, and, and, and off we go. We need to be very careful and analyze ourselves and, and, and find, are we beginning to show signs of Demas? Are we looking at, perhaps in our own lives, are we becoming entangled by the pollutions of the world? Are we allowing the world's pull to draw us away from Christ? First, uh, in Peter, 1 Peter 5, Peter tells us, be sober-minded, be watchful. Our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Be firm in your faith. It's easy to fall away. I mean, I'm sure all of us can think of people over the years that served in some sort of a ministry, that were faithful to church, and then one Sunday, they missed. And they maybe they missed a couple Sundays, and pretty soon you never saw them again. Because oftentimes, the, the lore of the world, the, the desire not to be named with Christ, the desire not to face persecution or ridicule, can be overpowering. We can become entangled by the world, the draw of the world. Sometimes we can fall away just because we think we're strong. Take heed when you think you're strong, lest you fall. I bought a new pair of shoes this week, and I put them on this morning, and I took about three steps, and the first thing I did was trip. And I said, I am not wearing those to preach in this morning, because if I do a header off the stage, yes, it'll be funny, but we don't need that. You know, sometimes we think we can handle it. Sometimes we can start to do things in our own strength, 
And we have to be so careful because it can be so easy to get our focus off of the Lord and why we're doing things, why we're serving, why we're ministering. We can then be drawn away or we can fall because we were relying on ourselves and not on Christ. We could also become hardened by sin. We allow little sins into our lives. Little things that, oh, may not be that bad. And they begin to grow. We begin to tolerate certain things that may be able to be said. Or, or, or we begin to then say things we shouldn't say. And, and maybe we get with people that we shouldn't be with. And it begins to harden our hearts. We begin to fall away. And pretty soon, we're just like Demas. We've gone and deserted those that need us the most. We have to be very careful not to allow the distractions of the world to render us fruitless. We have to be very careful that we are focused on loving God and not the world because we don't want to end up like Demas. We don't want people to say to us or say about us, oh, do you remember so-and-so? Yeah, they left. What a sad statement Paul makes here, where three or four short years before, Paul said, this is my fellow laborer. And now he says, he deserted me. What a sad story, the life of Demas. Of course, we don't know what happened at the end of Demas. Perhaps he may have come back to Christ. Tradition says he didn't. But we don't really know. All we know is what the Scripture records here for us. I hope and pray that we're not like Demas. Past service is no guarantee of future faithfulness. It all depends on the Lord. And we have to be faithful to Him. The next person Paul mentions there in that, in that passage of Scripture, um, he mentions Luke in verse 11. He says, Luke alone is with me. Luke is an interesting character. We know a lot about Luke in the Scriptures. Uh, he has a gospel that is with his name, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Uh, he wrote uh, the, the gospel of Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts. And so we see a lot of Luke coming through in his own writings. We also know that Luke was a physician. Paul calls him at one time a beloved physician. Uh, he was a doctor of some sort, and he travels with Paul uh, through the book of Acts. We, we see over and over the word we. When you see we, that's Luke writing while he is traveling with Paul. Once the, the book of Acts changes really from the early church and Peter to the ministries of Paul long around um, Acts chapter 13, you'll often see, see Luke use the word we, indicating his travels with Paul. Uh, he was a Gentile, as we mentioned, a medical doctor. Um, he joined Tro Paul in Troas while Paul was on his second missionary journey. And he's going to travel with him throughout the time. There's going to be times when Paul's going to send Luke to other ministries. And then uh, you'll see the word we drops out of those chapters. And then a chapter or two later, you'll see it all of a sudden will pick up again. And he'll say, we did this and we went here. He spent a lot of time 
with Paul. He's going to stay with Paul in Philippi. He's going to rejoin Paul on his third missionary journey. He's going to join Paul on his, his journey to Rome. If you know anything about the, Paul's journey to Rome, it was not an easy journey. Uh, they're going to sail uh, partway across uh, to, the, to the island, I believe it was Cyprus. Then they're going to recommend that they stay there for the winter. The ship captain is going to say, no, we're going to go on. Of course, they're going to be shipwrecked. They're going to be 14 days at sea. And through all of that, you read, we did this. We boarded the ship. We did this. We went here. Because Luke is with Paul through that entire ordeal. He is, he is suffering right along with Paul. He is, is watching Paul's imprisonments. Again, being shipwrecked with Paul, spending that time with Paul, and yet Luke stayed faithful. We could call Luke steadfast. That he doesn't change. He doesn't leave when things get hard. Oh, I mean, it would have been easy. You know what, Paul? You're on your own on this ship because you've already said bad things are going to happen. I mean, you've already told them we're not going to make it. Why would I want to get on a boat with you? But yet he did. And he went with Paul and he ministers to Paul. And Paul's going to say, Luke is with me. He's the only one who's standing with me. Ministering to Paul's needs. Prison wasn't, in, in Rome wasn't like what it is today. You didn't have anything unless people brought it to you. And Luke is, is, is ministering to Paul. He is living a faith that is characterized by steadfastness. Again, here in Luke, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 4, the end of Paul's life. He's saying, I fought a good fight, I finished my course. And what does he say? He says, Luke alone is with me. Through the last days of Paul, Luke stayed right there. Luke was with him the entire step of the way. What about us? Are we faithful in our service to the Lord? How do we judge faithfulness? Well, again, you read people that study church attendance and whatnot, and they say, you attend church twice a month. That's considered a faithful church member. I'm not sure how they come to that conclusion. But what do you, how do you define faith? Well, we have to obviously go to the Scriptures to find what faithfulness, that steadfastness that Luke demonstrated. Again, I think we see it characterized here in the story of, of who Luke is, that he remained faithful to the very end. First Corinthians, Paul is going to write to the, the, the church of Corinth there. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I think that is a, a wonderful description of Luke. That he was there, that he was steadfast, that he was not movable. Unless Paul sent him somewhere, he was sticking with Paul. Knowing that he was doing the work of the Lord. Knowing that he was supporting God's chosen person. And Luke was going to be there and minister to Paul in whatever he needed in a very steadfast way. What about us? Where do we find a place to minister? Where is it that you have a place 
that you can minister? Is there somewhere in the church that you have a place of ministry? Again, we've already mentioned, we've got kids programs that we're always needing people to help out. We've got a choir that's starting tonight, an orchestra. Perhaps that's your service, your area of ministry. Oh, does it take sacrifice? Yeah, it kind of does. You got to be here 6 p.m. on Sunday evening. You got to be here a little early on Sunday mornings, maybe. Yeah, it takes dedication. Yes, it takes some sacrifice. But isn't that what God asks us to do? Oh, yeah, we could be like demons and just say, "Eh, I'm done, I'm out. Too much work. Or we could be like Luke and say, you know what, Paul? I'm going to go. I'm going to be right there with you. Lord, I am going to sacrifice. I would like to serve wherever it is. And maybe it's not someplace that's, that's even visible. Visible. Maybe you're just the type of person that says, you know what? I want to come in and clean. I want to find some place. I want to go visit people. Something that nobody else knows about. But it's a place of ministry. It's a place of service. It's you coming alongside of somebody else and helping them. Being that steadfast person, that person that is, that is unmovable, that is faithful, faithfully following the commands of the Lord. And again, it's not just pleasing the Lord, but it's also being an encouragement to others. Again, being in church on Sunday morning is an encouragement to others. You know, we talk about it on on Monday mornings, people that may have been missing or people we haven't seen in a while or people that we have seen that have come back. And it's such an encouragement when we talk about the, 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 the people that are in our church and, and to see people Again, once a week we see Sunday mornings and we're now again, we're meeting back together and that was a huge blessing when we finally were able to meet together. When we met for that year in, in different services, there were people that say, well, I haven't seen so-and-so if they left the church. No, they just come at 9.30 and you come, you know, they come at 9, you come at 10.30. But now that we're back together, we get to see each other. We get to be that blessing. We get to come alongside of each other. And I know a lot of you did that over this past year and, and I've heard so many stories where you've helped one another through different things. And you've encouraged each other and you've been steadfast. And you've been that person that somebody else could lean on like Paul could lean on Luke. Luke was an encouragement to Paul. He also helped Paul. And again, he helped us through his writings when he wrote the, the, the book of Acts and the Gospel of Luke. Are you like Luke? Are you steadfast? The third person Paul mentions here is Mark. He says there in in the end of of 2 Timothy chapter 4, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me in the ministry. Mark, his first name, they call him John Mark at other points. Uh, We first meet him uh, in the book of, excuse me, we first meet him in the book of Acts. He was, uh, his mother apparently was fairly wealthy, but his mother's house was where people met to pray when Peter was in jail. Remember the Lord caused the earthquake and freed Peter, the angel came in, freed Peter from jail, and he goes to John Mark's mother's house where everybody's meeting to pray. And so John Mark seems to have had a, a pretty good start in life. He seemed to have kind of been on the right track. His cousin is a man named Barnabas. 
When Paul and Barnabas head up to Antioch to see what's going on up there, uh, John Mark goes with them. When Paul and Barnabas set out on their first missionary journey, John Mark goes with them. The first place they travel on their missionary journey is Cyprus. Barnabas was a native of Cyprus. So it had been pretty easy. People knew him there. John Mark would have probably been easy to, to, to minister there in Cyprus. It's a, a, a pretty um, nice area. It's an island there in the Mediterranean Sea. I mean, come on. Who wouldn't want to minister there? And, and the Bible talks about their ministry there for a little bit. And then it says they leave Cyprus and they go up to Asia Minor. And they get to Asia Minor. And the Bible says that's when John Mark said, ah, I've had enough. Acts chapter 12 um, gives us the story. I'm sorry, that, that was backed up. That's where, where the story of Peter, we just mentioned that a minute ago. Um, but, but John Mark is going to get there to, the, to Asia Minor, and now the journey is going to get difficult. It's a very, very rugged terrain as they head up into the interior from the coast. It's very dangerous. They're now ministering to people that nobody knew. The Bible says John Mark called it quits. He went home. Went back to Jerusalem. Perhaps one had just missed mom and wanted to go back. The Bible, again, doesn't really give us much uh, clarity on here. It just says that, that he left. A couple years later, when, when, when Paul and Barnabas are ready to set off on their second missionary journey, Barnabas says, hey, let me grab John Mark and we'll go. And Paul says, I don't think so. You know what he did with us? He, he left us last time when we needed him. When it got tough, he left. I'm not having him. And Barnabas like, come on, things are changed. We can take him. Paul said, no. The, the, the disagreement got, got so strong, they decided to go separate ways. Paul chose Silas on the second missionary journey, and Barnabas chose somebody else, and they went. Now we have this years later. John Mark has proven himself. And Paul was man enough to admit it. When Paul says, bring Mark, he's very useful to the ministry. It's interesting. Mark is going to write the gospel of Mark. Obviously, we see his usefulness there. As we ask ourselves, are we like Demas? Are we just kind of going through the motions? We're maybe one step away from the foot out the door and leaving the faith. Are we like Luke where, man, we're going to be steadfast and we're working and it doesn't matter what, we're sticking to the stuff and, and, and we're going to be there. That'd be great. But unfortunately, most of us probably fall into the category of Mark. We have some times where we just get sidetracked. We have some, some times where maybe something draws us away or, or, or we get busy with family and, and we drop out of some things and, 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 and God has to do something to bring us back. Mark we could call penitent. We see at some point he changed his direction. Maybe he grew up. I think back to some of the things that I did as a kid. 
young in the ministry and, and running a teen program. Crazy. And I remember, I remember, you know, when I first went back to the church I grew up in thinking, these people knew me when I was in junior high. This will never work. But thankfully, they allowed me that chance to grow and mature. And sometimes that's what we need. We need that time to, to, to refocus. And again, we're coming out of the year where we've, 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 we've had just a mess. Maybe this is the point we refocus. Maybe this is the point where we say, yes, now I'm, I'm ready to jump back in. I want to get involved. I want to be useful. Like Paul said there of John Mark, we sang the song a few minutes ago, Blessed Be Your Name. It says, when the darkness closes in, still I will stay. Later on in the bridge, it says, you give and take away. My heart will choose to stay. Blessed be your name. So we close this morning. Who do you compare to? Demas? Luke? John Mark? I hope not Demas. Prayerfully, it's Luke. But if it's John Mark, where are you on that? Do you need to come back? Do you need to pray that prayer of forgiveness and ask the Lord to, to help you to, to dedicate yourself to serve Him, to be useful? The quote I read this week says, the difference is determined by the direction of your devotion. Where's your devotion? What direction is that facing? Hope it's facing the right way. And I hope that it can be said of you, either he's the only one with me, or bring him because he's useful. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our time this morning. Lord, I do pray that you will just give us a, a wonderful remainder of our day. Lord, we thank you for the baptism this morning and, or the, and, and the, those that chose to follow you. And Lord, we thank you for their testimony and for their desire to serve you. Lord, we do pray for our congregation, for our church moving forward as we uh, come out of this pandemic, Lord, and, and move uh, into the future. Lord, I do pray that you will guide that you will lead and you will help us to, to draw closer together as a church body and draw closer together to you as we serve you together here in Wilmington. Again, we thank you for our time this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Chance to respond this morning as we're going to sing a song of response. We're going to sing, Oh, Come to the Altar. Uh, this is a, a, a great song of response. And let me encourage you to use this time to respond to the truth that we have heard preached this morning, folks. And if you, if you need to, feel free to, to pray during this time instead of singing, but pray there where you are. If you want to, uh, kneel there at your seat, and please feel free and feel welcome to come forward and use these front steps uh, as an altar. We want to give you uh, a time of response that allows you to respond to the Lord in a way that is authentic for you. And so it, it's perfectly fine to come forward and pray, but it's also fine if nobody comes forward. Uh, the, the important thing, though, that we need to realize, folks, is that we've heard powerful scriptural truth preached this morning by Pastor Brian. 
And our response to that truth, responding to the truth that we have heard, is the most important part of our worship. So use this time to respond to the Lord as we sing, O Come to the Altar. Are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior, isn't he wonderful? blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Amen. Let's close our service in a word of prayer.
Heavenly Father, thank you so much for speaking to our hearts through your word today. Uh, Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have to boldly approach you uh, because of what you did for us on the cross and the fact that we can now freely come to the altar. We can freely offer you our worship and our praise and, our, and boldly make our requests known to you. So, Lord, we just thank you and praise you for the life that you've given us, the resurrection life that you've given us in Christ. And I pray that as we go out from this place, that we would live every day of this week in that resurrection power. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.